<laughs> oh, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're here. Those of you joining us in the room, those of you joining us online, we're very glad you're here on this uh, third Sunday of Advent as uh, we all, everybody, I guess, survived the power outages and the storms <laughs> and all that good stuff. I kind of wondered, uh, I thought, well, we could do service without power if we, if we really had to, just none of you guys would be watching it right now. So, uh, but we're glad that all came back on when it, when it was supposed to, I guess. So nobody here is still without power, right? Everybody's got their power back on, I hope. Okay, good, good. All right, we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Thank you. We believe that the Lord meets us right here. Whether the power is on, whether the weather is cold or hot, uh, whether the furnace is working or isn't, we believe that God meets us right where we are. So let's bow our heads and let's pray to him as we begin. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for this whole Advent season that reminds us of your great gift to us of love in your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, your presence here with us uh, is something that we depend on, God. When we are going through times of great difficulty, we know uh, that we can make it through because you are with us, because you are Emmanuel, God with us. We saw this in, uh, in Jesus Christ, in your gift to us of your son, that you weren't afraid to come close to our mess, uh, to enter into our brokenness and our need. Thank you, God, that into our darkness you have shined your light, that into our weakness you have given your strength, that into our death you have given your life. Help us today to receive your grace and your love, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, if you're here in the room, I invite you to stand and sing as we begin. Today is the day. 
your truth I will stand upon your truth And all my days I'll live for you All my days I'll live for you And I will stand upon your truth I will stand upon your truth And all my days I'll live for you All my days I'll live Today is the day you have made And I will rejoice and be glad in it Today is the day you have made
can see a light that is coming for the heart that holds on. A glorious life beyond all compare. And there will be an end to these troubles, but until that day comes, we'll live to know you here on the earth. And I will fear no with me let's pray God that that last bit of that song is what we're holding on to today Lord you you never let go of us I mean through the calm through the storm whatever's going on in our lives God uh, and that's why we can live with this confidence that's why we can live uh, with peace with with hope even with joy in the midst of difficult times that's why we can uh, <laughs> we can uh, we can sing the songs we have this morning about rejoicing, about, about proclaiming joy to the world, about, uh, about having joy in our hearts and our lives is because what you have done for us, God, is because you are here with us, because you're not letting go of us, even in the midst of darkness, even in the midst of trial. And God, you know uh, what we walk in with today. Uh, you know the, the good, the bad. Uh, you know the highs and the lows. Uh, you know all of it, God. 
some of us are coming in today just full of joy, full of thanks and praise because life has just been good. You have been good to us, God, and we feel uh, like we're just overflowing with blessings and we can't wait to thank you and praise you for it. God, there are some of us that just barely made it through the door today, barely had the, the energy for it, barely had the, the will to overcome all the obstacles. But God, we're here because we know that we need you. And we, and we, and we hope that it's true, what we've just been singing, that you don't let go of us. So God, I pray today that for, for everyone who's feeling that, God, that you would embrace them, that you would hold tight to them, that you would help them to, to have a real sense of your holding on to them today strengthening, giving hope, giving courage. When we need it, God, giving us rest. And when we need it, giving us energy. God, all of these things are gifts from you. And we're so grateful that you are involved in the, in the everyday, in the nitty-gritty, in, the, in the, the real stuff of life. Thank you, God, that today we get to recognize that you are the source of every good gift. Today we get to uh, once again pledge our allegiance to you uh, above every other um, entity, above every other thing, above every other claim to our attention or our affections or our allegiance. Lord Jesus, you are our king. And our loving hearts want to enthrone you today, as the Christmas carol says. Thank you, God. Thank you for meeting us here. Thank you for speaking to our hearts and minds. Thank you for giving us the grace that we need, forgiving our sins, uh, washing us clean, giving us strength and new life. God, we have so much to thank you for, to rejoice about. Help us, God, to feel that joy of being loved by you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. We can't uh, go around and greet everybody right now. We're in the red zone again, apparently. So, but take a minute, look and see. There's somebody here that you haven't seen in a while, and like, give them a quick, oh, hi. And uh, I want to catch up with you later when we both have our masks on and we're standing six feet away from each other and all that good stuff. So, fun times, huh? Um, so, thank you for being here. Thank you for connecting with us, those of you who are who are watching right now, and thank you for leading us musically. Hi, Saw family. It's great to have all of you up here today. Um, that's a beautiful thing. Oh, now i got to figure out how to get up, up here. All right, I'm going to go this way. All right, let's see. And uh, so just by way of announcements before we get into the message today, um, let's see, if you're here in the room, obviously you can grab one of those little cards back there by the offering box, let us know you're with us, share with us how we can pray for you or thank God with you, and then you can drop that in there and any gift that you're making today. Uh, or you can do like everyone watching online has to do and go to livinghope.info slash connect, fill out a digital connect card and uh, let us know you're with us, let us know how we can pray for you, all of that good stuff. Give us any feedback that you might want to give. And, um, uh, and also, then you can give online. You can go to livinghope.info slash give and you can just give to the regular general fund, which... Uh, Thank you so much for being generous with that, funding the everyday ministry of this church, both here and around the world. Or you can specifically, you can hit that drop down and you can give to the Good Neighbor Fund, the Warm a Home uh, Fund right now. Uh, if you want, you can grab one of those little ornaments off the Warm a Home tree out in the lobby. Uh, it looks like a little house and that's got an envelope. You can make a gift directly to First Contact and send that in the mail to them. Or if you want to give online, you can give to that Good Neighbor Fund, the Warm a Home tree fund, and, uh, and then we'll write one big check to First Contact. That is for our neighbors. 
people that don't have a church or at least aren't a part of our church, uh, they might go to another church, they might not have any church, and uh, they need help keeping the lights on or keeping the heat going. Uh, we've all needed help with that recently, but you know, paying the bill to keep the, the furnace run uh, or to keep the rent paid, to keep them uh, with the things that they need during this season. So if you want to help some of your neighbors right now, uh, I know with... Uh, uh, I just saw someone sharing on Facebook today, like, you know, in response to the tornadoes that went through uh, Kentucky and, and all that, people like organizing help for that. If you want to be a part of that, let me know. I'm just finding out about, you know, groups that are taking water and stuff down there. Um, but we have neighbors right here that also need our help. So if you want to help your neighbors right here in your community, right here in Porter County, uh, you can give to that Warma Home Tree. You can give to First Contact. That'll help with that. And you can also give to Habitat as we, we're going to, that'll be open through the end of the year, which is, man, almost here. We just got a couple weeks left until the year is over. Good grief. Not many shopping days left uh, before Christmas, huh? Uh, but if you want to give to the Habitat Fund, that's going to help uh, build that house. We're at 9000 what was it? I looked this morning, $9,213 given to that, which is amazing. So if you haven't given anything to it yet and you want to drop your $5 in or your $500 or whatever it is that you're choosing to give, uh, like I said, that'll be open through the end of the year. We're hoping to hit $10,000, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, we already hit our $6,000 goal, so if, if nobody else gives, we're okay. But, um, but if you haven't participated yet and you want to be a part of building that house for your neighbors, uh, please, please do. Um, so you can see then uh, next week we're going to have a couple of fun things. Now, this coming week is just kind of a normal week around here, I guess, with Bible study and all that stuff during the week. Uh, but then next week uh, we've got a couple of fun things. Uh, we've got the Blues Project going to be playing on, is it Tuesday? Tuesday night. Uh, that's a fundraiser for Family Promise. Uh, this past week was unusual. This past week we had people living here in the church every night, uh, staying here to make sure they had shelter. And uh, several of you came and brought a meal or stayed the night to make sure that they had a place to stay. Thank you so much to the, uh, uh, let's see, about 14 of you, I guess it was, who came out. Uh, different, different people bringing dinner every night, different people staying the night every night. So thank you for that. We will do that again sometime in the spring. Um, and uh, if you want to help Family Promise on the financial side, you can come to that Blues Project concert, bring $10 or whatever donation you want to give, drop it in the bucket as you walk in, and, uh, and that's going to be a fun concert that night. And then uh, we'll have our Candlelight Christmas Eve service on the 24th. We won't have other, I don't think we're having other midweek things uh, that week uh, as far as Bible studies and stuff, but we will have our Candlelight Christmas Eve service at 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve. And, and if, uh, if you want to help make cookies for that, um, we do that a little different. Uh, it's not cookies in the back for you to eat if you come to the, to the service. It's cookies that we then box up into go containers so you can take them with you when you leave to give to somebody. To give to somebody who's got to work the holiday or somebody that you know needs a little Christmas cheer and doesn't have anybody or something like that. Just to, for you to take to give to someone to say, God loves you, <laughs> we care about you, here you go, enjoy some cookies. So if you want to make some cookies for that, let us know. And that week we'll be, uh, we'll be collecting some cookies and, and gathering those up. And uh, oh my goodness, I forgot again. We're supposed to have a couple of these lit already by the time the service starts, aren't we? And uh, yeah, so there's the candle that we lit the first week for hope right there. And there's a candle we lit last week for, for what was last week? Peace. Okay, yeah. And this week is the, the pink candle for joy. And I'm not lighting that because uh, Mitch is going to come up here. Mitch, come on up. Some of you guys know Mitch Peters, uh, an, an attorney in town, and uh, he's the anchor of the table right up here. Uh, so. It's pink, yeah. yeah. So do you want this microphone or do you want to use that one? Doesn't, doesn't matter. This one's fine. All right. This morning, we light the candle of joy. Joy is deep and abiding. 
rich and rewarding. Joy is a well that does not run dry when trouble comes. We seek joy in our lives, and we seek to share joy with those around us. The siren song of our culture is consumption. Consume more, and you will be fulfilled. Consume more, and you will be happy. Consume more, and you will have worth. When we allow ourselves to be entranced by this song, we will never find true joy. May we find contentment in what we have, and may we view others as God's beloved children so that we might know true joy. Joy is found not in consuming more. Joy is found in a transformed life. This new life is one of generosity, compassion, and care for those around us. May we feed the hungry, clothe the naked, and have compassion on all so that we might know true joy. We are invited into this new way of doing so we can become people of joy. This doing involves sharing, giving, respecting, honoring, and caring for people around us. Joy comes when we hold what we have lightly, our possessions, our positions, our finances. We can give freely. Joy comes in truly showing love to May the light of joy consume our hearts as we allow Christ to transform us into generous people of joy. Amen. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you. And Mitch is a good example of some of the things that we just talked about. And uh, if you want to talk to somebody sometime about ways you can be involved in the community to, to do some of the things we were just, just saying, um, uh, to care for people in need, man. Um, Mitch is, I don't, know if, I don't know if all of you guys know, Mitch is, uh, are you the founder of, one of the founders of Respite House, and then uh, the driving force behind the building of Respite House 2, uh, providing uh, a place for men who are coming out of addiction and, and oftentimes coming out of jail uh, as they're getting their lives together, giving them a place to be that's structured, that helps them to, uh, to make the good choices that they are committed to making. And uh, man, that's a hugely impactful resource in our community. So thank you, Mitch, for doing that and for all the other ways that you serve. Um, some of us, uh, as we just said there in the, in the reading, some of us do get confused sometimes, don't we, about where our joy comes from. Um, it's easy for us to think that our joy comes from the stuff that we consume, right? And uh, whether it's stuff, whether it's experiences, I mean, those can be moments of joy, right? I mean, we've all seen the videos or, or been there in the moments where the child opens the present and they're super excited about the thing that they got, right? And, uh, and they're, they're screaming and, and jumping and all that because they're so excited that they got the whatever it happens to be that they probably saw on TV that somebody tried to sell them and that's why they're excited. But anyway... Um, you know, and maybe you've been that person at some point. You've excitedly, you know, received some gift. Or you've, you've been, you know, overjoyed at getting to have some experience in life, getting to go on some trip or see something or whatever it might be, uh, to be in that concert, you know, and see that band perform live. Whatever it is for you. Or I guess for some of you, maybe it's that sports team, to see them, to see them win uh, there in person. Um, 
Sorry, I'm just thinking about tonight's game and, and what I can say and what I can't say. But I'll just keep my mouth shut. All right, all right. Some of you, some of you know that my wife is from Wisconsin, and is uh, is and so our house will be cheering for Green Bay tonight, and and uh, and somebody will be feeling joy. We'll we'll see who it is. But anyway, um, some of you, some of you Bears fans have uh, you you and my wife have exchanged plenty of trash talk both directions over the years, and it's it's all kinds of fun. So anyway, what are we talking about? Joy, joy. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, we, we look for joy in all kinds of different places, and, and uh, it's one of those things that can be elusive, right? If you're, if you're chasing joy, it can be hard to find joy. It can be hard to find happiness. Joy and happiness aren't exactly the same, but they're related, right? I mean, happiness tends to be that kind of momentary, fickle kind of feeling where joy tends to be that deeper, uh, more, more long-lasting, more, I don't know, more... Uh, I want to say like more real or something. Like it comes from a deeper place, joy does, than just like happiness or momentary happiness. And, um, and when, you, when you chase those positive emotions, you know, it can be like pretty empty. There's a whole book in the Bible, uh, Ecclesiastes, about how it's like chasing the wind, trying to chase these things. And, and that's what maybe some of you have found. You know, it can be, it can be here and then gone. It can be, it can be fleeting. Uh, but the Bible talks about a joy that is, that is rooted in something deeper. That's rooted in something, something real, something that, that doesn't depend so much on our circumstances. And I really wish, you know, we, we're given these scriptures by uh, uh, this, this uh, lectionary where the churches have selected different, different readings to go with different seasons of the year. And so today, on this third Sunday in Adv- Advent, churches around the world are looking at these passages. And, uh, and the one, it, it kind of makes me laugh because there are four passages given to us. And uh, we have this little, you know, devotional book that we've been reading, this uh, Come Peasant King, uh, Advent devotional. And if you, if you haven't grabbed one yet, I, still, I see we've got maybe a dozen left. If you want to grab one, you can take one. And, uh, and the one scripture, there are four scriptures, three of them talk about joy or rejoicing or having joy in our hearts or something like that. One of them never mentions it. And that's the one that our devotional book looks at. That's the one, I think because it's the gospel reading, the, the story from Luke, uh, that Luke tells in Luke chapter 3. Um, so we're going to start with that. Uh, it continues the story that we started last week. And actually, we, we kind of ducked into some of this last week. As we were looking at John the Baptist, this weirdo out in the wilderness who is telling people to repent, to turn, and change their ways. And it's kind of really like a turn or burn kind of message, right? Which is just what we think like, yay, that brings me joy hearing somebody, you know, shout at me and tell me I'm wicked or, you know, that I need to change. Uh, but that's what, that's what he's doing. Uh, in fact, it's people who are coming out to be baptized by him, coming out to, to show their repentance. Listen to what he says. We're starting in verse 7 today. Then John said to the crowds who came to be baptized by him, You children of snakes, who warned you to escape from the angry judgment that's coming, that's coming soon? It's like he sees who's coming. He's saying, Hey, who told you? What are you doing here? Why are you repenting? You know, why are you coming to be baptized? It says, produce fruit that shows you've changed your hearts and lives. And I mentioned last week that, that phrase, change your hearts and lives, is how this translation is, is translating that word. That a lot of English translations put the word repentance right there. That's what it means to repent. It doesn't just mean to say, oh, oh I'm sorry. Repentance means you're having an actual change. You're turning from one way of life and you're turning toward another. It usually involves an I'm sorry because, man, I'm sorry I was doing that. I was sorry I was going down that path. That was hurting me. That was hurting you. You know, man, I'm sorry I did that. I am I am making a change. I am turning my face in a different direction. I am switching my allegiance, switching my, <laughs> my intentions. And so he's saying, produce fruit that shows that you've repented. Fruit in keeping with repentance. Fruit that shows you've changed your hearts and lives. And don't even think about saying to yourselves, Abraham is our father. I tell you that God's able to raise up Abraham's children from these stones. He's, you know, some of them were very proud of the fact that, hey, we're, we're God's chosen people, right? Hey, we trace our lineage back to Abraham. You know, what are you talking about? Um, 
calling us snakes. He's like, well, yeah, but God could raise up kids for Abraham out of these rocks. You know, that's, that's nothing special. God can, God can make kids. You know, that's not a big deal. You've got to make sure that you're repenting no matter who you are, no matter what your heritage, no matter what your background. Let's talk about family in here. It makes me think about how this time of year, from Thanksgiving through Christmas, is kind of got a real family focus, which I know makes it really painful for some of us as we're missing family, as we've lost loved ones in recent years, or as people are off in distant places or, you know, where we're not able to gather as a family like we like, we like to. Um, but when we think of family, I mean, sometimes that is a real positive thing, and, and sometimes we put a lot of stock into what name we have, what family we're a part of, and you probably known people who are like that, right? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know who my dad is? You know, those kinds of things. And, uh, and he's saying, look, that doesn't really matter at this point. What matters is, <laughs> are you turning from sin? Are you turning toward God? Doesn't matter who your dad is. Doesn't matter what family you're from. He says in verse 9, the axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be chopped down and tossed into the fire. Turn or burn, he's saying, right? Oh, and I'm going to, I need to take a second and apologize. Normally I have all these scriptures on the screen and I especially need to apologize to you at home that you can't see the, the words from Luke chapter 3, verses 7 to 18 that I'm reading right now. Um, this morning was hectic and we didn't get them in there. So my apologies. Um, those of you in the room, you've got it here written. Those of you at home, you're just going to have to look up Luke chapter 3, verses 7 to 18. I'm reading from the Common English Bible. If you've got your Bible app or something like that, uh, open there. So, um, so yeah, he's out here proclaiming this turn or burn message saying you've got to produce some good fruit. Uh, if not, you're going to be chopped down, tossed into the fire. The judgment is coming. So people ask him, the crowd asked him, what then should we do? <laughs> okay, so we're children of snakes. Okay, so we've got to repent. We've got to turn. What do we do? Tell us. And we looked at these last week, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time with them. He answered, whoever has two shirts must share with the one who has none. Whoever has food must do the same. He calls them to a life of generosity. It says, even tax collectors came to be baptized. They said to him, teacher, what should we do? And he replied, collect no more than you're authorized to collect. You know, don't be greedy. Don't cheat people. Soldiers asked, what about us? What should we do? And he answered, well, don't cheat or harass anyone and be satisfied with your pay. In other words, be kind to people. You could be cruel, and they often were, Roman soldiers in the places where they occupied. They could be cruel, but he's saying, no, you need to, you need to be kind and and you need to be content. He says this, this life that he's calling us to, the good fruit that he wants to see in our lives, is a, he's calling us to a life of generosity, a life that's not, uh, not greedy, a life that's content. It kind of flies in the face of what we see all around us at this time of year, right? Uh, where no one wants to be content right now. Everyone wants you to buy, 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 right? And you know, Black Friday deals were happening. Now it's just, you know, they know they got you over a barrel because if you're going to buy something, if you're desperate for a Christmas present, you got to pay whatever price you will to get that toy or that thing or whatever it is. And then after Christmas, of course, there'll be more sales and they're going to try to keep you, keep you buying as long as they can, telling you not to be content because that's where, you know, they're telling us that's where your joy will be found. Consume more. The Bible's saying no. John, John the Baptist says, no, no, that's not the life that leads to joy. That might lead to a momentary happiness, but then, boy, a, a deep-seated joy is the result of a life of generosity, of kindness, of contentment, of justice. A life where you are lining yourself up with the life of God, where you're looking like God's kids. We talked about that some a little bit last week, where Jesus said, uh, blessed are the peacemakers. We're talking about peace. When you make peace, you're, he said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. You know, don't, 
instead of focusing on being a child of Abraham or a child of whoever, let's, let's, let's be children of God. Let's, let's live life in a way that reflects his character and his goodness, his generosity, his kindness. A result of that is joy. One of the results of that is joy. He's been talking about having, you know, producing this good fruit, producing fruit that shows we've changed our hearts and lives. And that makes me think of Galatians chapter 5 where uh, the Apostle Paul talks about you know, two different ways we could live, right? A, a, a way of life that is led just by our own desires and what we want uh, or a way of life that's led by the Holy Spirit, that's led by the Spirit of God. He says if your life is led by God's Holy Spirit, well, there's fruit that comes out of that. There's fruit that grows and develops in your life. Fruit like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that, that, that we see develop in our lives as we allow God to lead us down this new path. As we have this change of hearts and lives, one of the results of that is joy. Now the people, it said, were filled with expectation. And everyone wondered whether John might be the Christ, you know, the Messiah, the anointed one who was to come. The one they'd been waiting for, the one that had been promised by the prophets and they're thinking, maybe this is him. Who else is going to be this bold? Who else is going to challenge people to, to make a change life? And seeing the different people who were coming and responding, you know, including the, not just the religious folks, but the, the tax collectors who are colluding with Rome and the Roman soldiers themselves. He says, man, people are responding to this. Maybe this is the Christ. Maybe he's the Messiah. And John replied to them all, look, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than me is coming. I'm not worthy to loosen the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And fire. He uses this baptism that he's providing for folks with water as like a, a metaphor for what Jesus is going to do when he comes. That he's going to pour out his Holy Spirit on you. That you're going to be consumed by his Holy Spirit. He's going to baptize you with, with fire. And I think since he starts talking about fire, he goes back to the, to the judgment imagery again. The shovel he uses to sift the wheat from the husks is in his hands. He'll clean out his threshing area and bring the wheat into his barn, but he'll burn the husks with a fire that can't be put out. Which, I don't know if any of you, I've never done that. You know, I'm not, my dad grew up on a farm, I did not, right? I, I never did that, so I, I hear that and I think, what on earth? And apparently that's the way they would separate the, the wheat, the kernel, the food from the, the other stuff, you know, that grows around it. You know, today we have, you know, combines and all that, they kind of do all that work, it all happens in there. Back then, they had to, like, scoop it up with a shovel and, and maybe kind of toss it a little bit, right? And the, the wind would carry away the, the light stuff, the husks, while the wheat kernels would stay and would continue to fall into the shovel. That's one way they could do it, right? And then they'd have a shovel full just of wheat, and all the chaff had kind of blown off onto the ground. They could dump the wheat where it's supposed to go, and then they could sweep up the chaff into the furnace. And he's saying, that's kind of what this judgment's going to be like. He's ready. He's got the shovel in his hand. He's ready to collect the wheat the righteous, the people who are doing, who are responding well, who are turning from their sin, and those who are saying, no, no, I'm happy with my sin. I'm happy with life the way I, I want to live it. He says those folks are going to be burned up with a fire that can't be put out. With many other words, this is the last verse of this passage, John appealed to them, proclaiming good news to the people. <laughs> Which I'm sorry, I just, when I read plenty of good news to the people like he was just talking about people being burned up what are you talking about good news this doesn't sound like good news but the good news that he's sharing is that Jesus is on his way the good news he's sharing is that Jesus is coming and he, he's going to make it possible for a new life for you to have for you to live differently so that you don't have to be burned up with the with the husks with the 
with the worthless stuff. Your life doesn't have to be worthless. Your life can be full of worth, full of value. For, for others, for God's kingdom, your life can be one that produces good fruit. Your, your life can be fruitful. Your life can be good. Your life can be filled with generosity and, and kindness. That do, a life, like we talked about last week, that doesn't give in to the, the, the pull of our culture, that, that says here's where your joy should come from, or here's where your allegiances should lie, or here's where your focus should be. You can live a life that, that, that lines up with God, that says, okay, God, you're sending us your son Jesus. He is not just coming to be a cute little baby in a manger, you know, Christmas time. He is coming to be king. So God, I'm going to line my life up with you. I'm going to let you be king. I'm going to give you my allegiance. I'm going to put my trust and my hope in you, knowing that in you I will find peace and joy and love. Love's next week. All right. So the other three scriptures that we were given all do talk about joy. All right. So we're going to go ahead and look at those other three. And that's why I didn't have room to put the uh, little Advent candle reading in your, in your handout. For those of you who are like, oh, man, i got to look at the screen today. Trying to read that. Um, is because I wanted to include these other three scriptures. Two of them are from the prophets. Prophets who had come long before Jesus, speaking to the people of Israel, to the children of Abraham, and looking toward a day of restoration. They had been through the ringer. They had been through the trials. They had been through the difficulty. And, and in the midst of it, they're crying out to God for help. And God sends prophets to come and to interpret their situation for them. And it's the prophets who help the people understand, look, the, the reason you're going through this is because you, you disobeyed God. The reason that your enemies were able to conquer you, it's not that God was weak or God wasn't paying attention. God was weeping as this happened because he knew that there were going to be consequences for your, you know, leaving him. There were going to be consequences for you ignoring the poor in your midst. And the, the prophet would tell them, this is why this has happened. And as people would turn back to God, they, the prophets would also give them words of hope. Like these from the prophet Zephaniah. Zephaniah, that's a fun one. Not many kids get named after him these days. Zephaniah, in chapter 3, verse, starting with verse 14, if you're, if you're watching at home, Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 14 says, Rejoice, daughter Zion. Shout, Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. So that's, those are joy words, right? Rejoice is basically saying, express joy. <laughs> express joy, Zion, which is named for the, the hill where Jerusalem sat, the capital of Israel. So Zion, Israel, Jerusalem, he's talking to God's people. With all your heart, rejoice. The Lord has removed your judgment. He has turned away your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is in your midst. So I can't help but read that and think, Emmanuel, God with us. Your King is with you. You will no longer fear evil. On that day, it will be said to Jerusalem, don't fear, Zion. Don't let your hands fall. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior bringing victory. He will create calm with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. That's an amazing little moment right there. Did you, did you hear that? He's calling us to rejoice, to express joy, and it's saying God in your midst, out of love for you, will rejoice over you with singing. He will express joy singing, oh man. He's going to sing songs expressing joy about you, about how glad he is that you have accepted his invitation, so glad that you have, have turned to him, so glad that you have allowed him to embrace you as his child. God, the God of the universe, loving you, rejoicing over you with singing. It says, I will remove from you those worried about the appointed feasts. They have a burden, they have been a burden for her or reproach. Watch what I'm about to do to all your oppressors at that time. I will deliver the lame. I will gather 
the outcast. I will change their shame into praise and fame throughout the earth. The early church saw this as something that was happening right there in their midst. Saw these kinds of uh, prophecies about uh, what was going to come one day, what God was going to do one day. The early church said, this is what we're seeing happen right now in Jesus, in his life and in the life of his community. As, as people turn from a selfish life and, and begin to live lives of generosity, of contentment, of kindness, of compassion, of justice, then we see the lame delivered, the outcast gathered in, no longer pushed to the margins, but instead welcomed, gathered together, loved, cared for. Instead of uh, being shamed, he says, I'll change their shame into praise and fame throughout the earth. The early church was largely made up of folks who other people didn't necessarily want coming to their party, right? Um, you know, you've, you've been a part of that at some point, I imagine, right? Whether it's a family gathering or a school party or a work party or something like that, and you're thinking, oh, this is going to be fun, and you kind of look around like, oh, why did he have to come? You know, or, oh, they invited her, you know, and you just know this is going to turn into like, there's going to be some, some awkward conversations, you know, or they're just going to get, they're going to drink a little too much, get a little too loud, and it's going to be, or whatever, it's going to, you know, something's going to happen that's not going to be good because that person's here. You know, nobody really wants them here. You know, they, they smell a little funny, or they, they, don't, they don't know the, you know, the way we do things, and we'd rather keep them out at the edges. And God is saying, no, no, no at, this, at this party, all are welcome. I'm gathering the outcasts. I'm, I'm pulling those people in. Those are the people I'm most excited are here. That's who Jesus came for. That's who the early church was largely made up of. People that finally had found someone who says, I am glad you're here. I want you here. You think that brings joy to a person that's been continually pushed aside to, to be welcomed, to be embraced? He says, at that time, I'll bring all of you back. At the time when I gather you, I will give you fame and praise among all the neighboring peoples when I restore your possessions and you can see them, says the Lord. So that's what he said to his people uh, through the prophet Zephaniah at a time when they had been removed from their land, when they had been kicked off their land by, by more powerful people. And he's saying, I'm going to gather you back. It's going to be a time of great joy, of great celebration. And part of that celebration will be coming from God himself as he expresses his joy over you. Uh, the prophet Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 12, verses 1 to 6. Um, says, in that day you'll say, surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. He's saying, in that day, when God does his restoring work, when God shows up on the scene, when, when God is in our midst, which again, we see happen in Jesus. We see happening today as God is in our midst. It says, the Lord himself is our strength, our defense. He is our salvation. With joy, <laughs> we draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day, you will say, give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel among you. And there are these beautiful pictures of how one of these days the Holy One, God Almighty, is going to be among you. It's going to be 
with you. And in that day, you will shout and sing for joy. This is the day that, to some extent, we live in right now as Jesus is with us, as he provides us with his strength, with his defense, as he is our salvation, as he sets us free. Salvation, in part, like from spiritual stuff, like from, from the mess that we make of our lives, right? Salvation from our sins and from the, 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 the horrors of that, of a, of a selfish life that's just seeking my good, not the good of others. That, that leads to an ugly place. He saves us from that. He saves us from a guilt and shame and all of those things. And we put our trust in him. He forgives all of that. But also he is saving us from our fears, saving us from our anxieties, saving us from, those, uh, from our enemies, saving us from those things that would destroy us and drag us down. He gives us, in the midst of trying circumstances, he gives us joy because he is present with us. Now, the Bible's real clear that like we're living in this in-between time, right? Between Christ's first coming. I can't, I can't remember to look. Okay, yeah, the first coming, Jesus, baby Jesus down in the manger. Down. His first coming and his second coming. You know, uh, Jesus has begun the work and he will complete the work. In the meantime, we get to live knowing what direction the story is going. Living not with this defeatist attitude that says, oh, there's just nothing we can do. We might as well just hunker down and, uh, you know, Wait for it all to blow over because one day Jesus is going to come and he'll make all things right. I mean, you could do that, I suppose. But to me, it makes a whole lot more sense to say, woohoo, <laughs> Jesus is coming again. He's going to make all things right. And right now he is present with us so that we can even now share with others the goodness that he has blessed us with. Right now we can be uh, conduits of his love and his grace and his mercy. Right now we can live lives that look like Jesus in the world. We can live toward that end of what we know, where we know the story is going. And do that with excitement, with hope, with joy. Even in the midst of, of trial. Which is why the Apostle Paul, this is the last scripture that we're given in, in his letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, um, says, um, oh, and I put the wrong, in, in your notes it says this from the NIV. This is from the New Living Translation, all right? It says Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7, from the New Living Translation. I typed the wrong three letters there. So if you're looking at it later... Uh, Oh, correction. All right. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. This is what we were just talking about. Because the Lord is coming soon, we can be full of joy. Even though things might be difficult. Because that's why he says next, he says, don't worry about anything. When you're facing situations that would normally cause you to just be filled with anxiety or worry, he says, look, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. John the Baptist is calling us today you know, to, to recognize that no matter who we are, no matter where we've been, no matter what our background, who our parents were, that we all need to repent. We all need to line ourselves up with God, to, to recognize that we may have been on the wrong path, we may have been part of the problem, and we need to start turning toward being part of, of God's solution. We need to repent and begin to produce good fruit in our lives as we cooperate with God's Holy Spirit and with his work. When we do this, we, don't any, we no longer have to fear the fires of judgment. We don't have to worry about what our, how our story will end. We can have confidence, just like the prophets were promising to his people, 
look, what's coming for you is good. When God shows up on the scene, as he makes things right, as he, you know, deals with the oppressors, well, if you have repented of any oppressing, <laughs> you know, if you have repented of any damage you're doing to others and you have you've committed yourself to following the way of Jesus, the way of lifting up the lowly instead of continuing to push them aside, of caring for the sick and the needy and the homeless and all the rest, if we've lined ourselves up with Jesus, if we have had a change of hearts and lives, then when God comes to bring his justice, when God comes to put an end to oppression, to put an end to violence, to put an end to those who would, who would harm those around them, we have nothing to fear. We know that God is showing up to bring good, and we get to be, con- just continue the celebration, to live with joy, to hear him rejoicing over us with singing. And that's why even now, when we might be worried, we can instead live full of joy in the Lord. We can live with an unusual kind of peace in the midst of trying circumstances. Because we, we recognize, okay, God, <laughs> worrying about this doesn't do me any good. Instead, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to talk to you, the God of the universe, the God who is here with us in our midst. I'm going to tell you what I need. And we just are honest with God about what we need. Sometimes we need his forgiveness. Sometimes we need his strength. Sometimes we need his wisdom. Sometimes we need his help. Whatever it might be, God, I'm just going to tell you what I need. And you know what? I'm going to thank you for all that you've done. I mentioned earlier that if we just like seek joy or seek happiness, it's fleeting. Um, and so some of you are like, great, so we're commanded to rejoice or just be full of joy or something like that. Like, that's kind of hard to do sometimes, right? Yeah, it is. Until you take a moment to thank God for all he's done. If you take a moment to, to, to start just talking to God about the good things he's done in your life, about the good things he's providing for you even now, it makes it a whole lot easier to rejoice when your mind isn't just focused on your needs and on the negatives, but when your mind is also focused on the good, the good things that you have to thank God for, the good things he has already done, the good things you're confident that he's going to do. This is the God of the universe who loves you, who will, what's he say, create calm with his love and rejoice over you with singing. This is the God of the world who cares for you, who's been with you your entire life right up to this moment, who loves you even now, This is the God of the universe who sent his son, Jesus, not just for the world, but for you, for me. Because he knew that I needed to be forgiven. Because he knew that without him, I would not have hope. Because he knew that I was going to need to be able to turn to him with my worries and instead invite the God of the universe to, to be involved in my life and in my circumstances. When we do this, we experience his peace. And it is so much easier to be full of joy in the Lord. This joy is a consequence of the the amazing relationship that God invites us into. It's not something we can just muster up. It's not something we can just manufacture. Like I said, it's it's something that comes. It's fruit that develops as we turn our, our lives over to him, as we trust in him. So let's bow our heads and let's express that trust to him in prayer right now. Thank you, God. Thank you for the love you've shown us in your son, Jesus Christ, and for this Advent season that reminds us of of your gift of love that you've given us in him. It also reminds us that you are coming again, and we look forward to that day. We look forward to every promise reaching its fulfillment. We look forward to that day when all the wrongs are made right. Until then, God, we are so grateful 
that you have come in your son Jesus Christ, that you are here with us, Emmanuel, God with us. You are in our midst even now by your Holy Spirit. You are not absent, you are present, and you are at work in our lives and through us in the lives of others. Thank you, God, that as we cooperate with you, one of the byproducts of this is joy. We get to share in your joy as people who didn't have hope find hope. As people caught in the midst of trying circumstances uh, find help because you're working through us to bring help. As your grace flows through us, as your goodness, as your kindness, as, as you help us to to line ourselves up with the work you are doing in the world, God, as, you, as we permit you to do some of that work in us and through us, we find ourselves sharing in your joy. And we are so grateful. Today, God, some of us, uh, maybe our focus needs to be on, um, <clears throat> on what we can do for others. We've made this all about ourselves this season. Us and our families and, and what we can what we can give ourselves. And, and um, God, right now, you're, you're trying to, you're, you're challenging us, God. You're trying to help us to, to have a change of heart and life, to, to repent of a life that is so focused on me and to, to turn my focus outward toward others, toward those that we could bless, toward those who need your hope, who need your love. God, some of us, frankly, we, we need to be on the receiving end of some of that help. We need someone to encourage us. We need someone to, to meet our need. And God, I pray that you would help us to have your eyes to see those folks in our midst, in our congregation, in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our neighborhoods. And God, for those who are finding themselves needing that help, I pray that you would give them the courage, the boldness to... to to raise their hand, to, to, to speak up, to say, I do need that help. To write a note on a card or to send a text or to do something, to, to reach out to a friend or to a pastor or to a loved one, to, to reach out to someone to say, I, I really could use some encouragement right now. I really could use some help right now. I'm, I'm really not in a great place. Joy is, is far from me. God, I pray that you would, that you would give them the courage to open up to someone about that. Help us, God. Help us to see each other with, with eyes of compassion, to see, each other's, uh, to see each other through your eyes, that we might notice the needs around us, that we might share in your joy this Christmas season. Thank you, God, uh, that we get to celebrate together this sacrament of Holy Communion remembering that you came to us in your son, Jesus Christ, and that you are, in fact, coming again. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood, that this would be more than just some religious ritual, but this could be a moment where we remember the love that you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. Like we remember, Jesus, that on that night as you gathered with your disciples to celebrate the Passover, Remembering God's great deliverance of his people from slavery in Egypt, you, you made it new. You redefined this, this meal, this moment. You gave the bread. You blessed it. You broke it. You gave it to your disciples and said, eat this. This is my body broken for you. 
When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. You gave them the cup and you said, this is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink it in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, we do remember your great love for us. And we thank you that you found us worthy of such love. God, we know that we didn't deserve it. We know it's just your grace. But God, I pray that you would help us to hear you rejoicing over us with singing. That you'd help us to see the the worth that we have in your eyes. To see each other through your eyes and to see ourselves through your eyes today, God. That we could see how deeply we are loved by you. So just like we offer these gifts of bread and juice to you, we offer you ourselves. All of who we are. And we pray that by your spirit's work in our hearts and lives, you might help us to truly repent, to truly turn from sin, and to receive from you the forgiveness and the grace that we so desperately need. Help us to sense your forgiveness, to sense your embracing us as your kids, adopting us into your family, filling us with hope, with peace, with joy, with love. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Uh, the High Saw family is going to come back up and, and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be down here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and then return to your seats. Uh, it's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. And um, we've got the regular bread and the gluten-free, and we've got some of the little individually you know, wrapped things if you want one of those. Or if you don't want to join the crowd, if you want to keep your social distance, that's fine. We've got little cups on the tables. You can, uh, as we sing, you can peel them back and and eat the bread and peel it back again and and drink the juice. Um, Again, this invitation is open to all of us who are recognizing that, man, God, our hope, our our peace, our joy, it, it comes from you. And so if you are hungry for his grace today, you're invited to come and to celebrate at his table. Now, before you step up, I have a little introduction to our song. Um, we're gonna be we're gonna be singing silver bells and as you come up I'd like you to join in Um, as I was zooming around town yesterday I found myself admiring the way the city transforms for Christmas in in a store I went to each aisle had at least three people two cards and a desperately busy employee trying to restock shelves in the midst of chaos my anxiety was running high yet each time I expected someone to react with irritation and rudeness it seemed like people were gracious while I, wanted, while I waited to check out, I noticed person after person was willing to spare a dollar or round up for a needy cause. My anxiety was high, but so was my joy, remembering how we had been living this time last year. Written around 1950, the song Silver Bells gives us a great opportunity to lean into the excitement of Christmas. The lyrics paint, jo- bright, paint a bright and joyful imagery that I just love. Children laughing, people passing, meeting smile after smile. Jay Livingston, one of the co-writers of this song, was inspired by the bells rung by the Salvation Army volunteers 
on every street corner during the Christmas season. Originally, the lyrics were Tinkle Bells, until his wife reminded him that Tinkle had another not so great meaning. <laughs> but God talked about Tinkle Bells in Exodus. In the 28th chapter of Exodus, we see God himself giving detailed instructions about the design of the garments that Aaron was to wear. The high priest was to wear those when he went into God's presence in the Holy of Holies. The Lord directed that the hem of Aaron's robe have small bells sewn onto it all the way around. It says Aaron will wear this robe whenever he ministers before the Lord, and the bells will tinkle as he goes in and out of the Lord's presence in the holy place. Those bells would sound with every movement of the high priest as he ministered in the presence of the Lord on behalf of his people. What a comforting sound that must have been for those standing anxiously in the outer courts of the tabernacle. The sound of those bells sent a clear and reassuring message. Your high priest, your representative, is in the Father's presence ministering on your behalf. Because of the work he is doing there, you can experience forgiveness, wholeness, and blessing. Everything is going to be all right. Even though there isn't a specific scripture cited in this song, it does capture that special feeling that I love around Christmas time. Those bells remind us to be generous, to be others-oriented, to count our blessings, whisper a prayer of gratitude, and share. Those bells remind us that our great high priest, Jesus Christ, lives in the presence of the Father. Hear those silver bells, smile, and know that one way or another, everything is going to be all right. City sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. In the air there's a feeling of Christmas. Children laughing, people passing, meeting smile after smile. And on every street corner you Thank you again, God, for the amazing love and grace you've shown us in the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for this season. 
that, uh, that has the potential to inspire us uh, to live toward the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, to live with this kind of generosity that you have modeled for us. Thank you, God, for sharing your joy with us. Help us to be a people who can share that joy with others. As you lead us by your Holy Spirit, fill us with the Spirit of Christ, we pray, so that as we leave this place, we leave as as the body of Christ, as your sons and your daughters. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.